How are you all this morning? Well, hey, listen, I, I, I want to tell you, uh, especially those who are here for the first time. Hey, City Hills family, let's give our first time guests another round of applause. <laughs> Just before I stepped up here, Patty Joe, my bride, she leaned over to me. She elbowed me a little bit. She said, we go to a cool church. <laughs> And if this is your first time, City Hills Church, it's more than just a cool church. It's home. And so we want to welcome you home today. We're honored that you're here with us today. Thank you for spending some time with us. Um, we are in the middle of a series right now, or second week into a series called Running with Giants. Pastor Brandon let it off last week for us. And, uh, and so today we're going to continue running with, uh, with, a, with another giant. And all through scripture... There are giants of the faith that we can see that are just kind of laid out for us. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about a great cloud of witnesses that are, that are actually cheering us on. And it would be as though we were at Nayland Stadium and, 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 and we were on the field actually playing the game. And, you know, there's 100,000 plus people in the stadium and they're cheering us on. And, and, and you know, how many of you have ever gone and sat in the nosebleed section in and then how many have gone and sat in the section above the nosebleed section? I've been there. That's, those are my seats, right under, the, right under the jumbotron where nobody sits. And you've got to go like that to see, and you still can't see anything. Imagine there's, that you're up there, and you're wanting to yell some instruction down to the quarterback. That quarterback's not going to be able to hear you very well at all. However, there is today, we have an opportunity to kind of separate some some giants of the faith, those that are, that are cheering us on and, and see what instruction they would give us. And so today, the giant of the faith that we're going to look at is Noah. And, and, and Noah is such an interesting character in Scripture. And there's a lot of different things, that, the directions that we could go with Noah. And actually, most of us here are probably familiar with Noah and the story of the ark and the flood. But you know, one of the things that Noah very well could say if he were going to give you some one-on-one -on -one instruction today, he would say, hey, don't miss the boat. That might be something he would say. Something else, honestly, that he might say would be one person can make a difference. And, you know, and that's true. One person can make a difference. You can make a difference in your family, at work. You can make a difference at school. No matter where you can go or where you go, you make a difference at church. One person can make a difference. But one of the things that, that I want to pull out today that I really believe that Noah would tell us, that one gem of instruction that he could give to us today would be in your life. And as you're walking out your days and you're walking out the calling that God has placed upon you, the one thing that I believe Noah would say today is when it doesn't make sense, be obedient. When it doesn't make sense, be obedient. Honestly, we could, we could really title this message very simply, Noah was crazy. <laughs> Noah was crazy. Let, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. And God observed that all this corruption, with all this corruption in this world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I have decided 
to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Now, here's where it starts to get a little bit crazy. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Now, we're going to stop right there for just a minute. This 18-inch gap that he's instructed to, to leave on the ark, I believe that God is, is saying something very important to Noah with this. Basically, he's saying, hey, no, there's not going to be any windows in your ark. There is a door and an 18-inch gap. You see, what God's communicating is that in this journey that Noah and his family are about to go on, the journey is not about the view. The journey is simply about survival. The journey is simply about getting life preserved. There's no need. He's saying, hey, there's no need, Noah, for you to focus on one you cannot control. You must focus on what you can control and on the one who is in control. Then God goes on and he says this. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, and he gets firm. He says, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. How would you like to have conversation with God and God whisper that to you? Psst, hey, I'm about to do something. I'm going to destroy the earth. I'm going to kill everything. Build a boat. Build a boat? Seriously? <laughs> Noah lived a hundred miles from the nearest ocean. You see, at that point, on the face of the earth, there, was, there had never been rain. There had been no rain on the earth. The, the earth, there was no record of rain in Scripture up to that point. And so everything that's being introduced to Noah is something that's absolutely brand new. And he's instructed to build this boat 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. Essentially, just to, to kind of put it in context, it's about as long as this entire complex, about twice as wide and twice as high. And those are the instructions that God gives to Noah. God's plan appears to be crazy. He tells Noah that he's going to destroy the world. He instructs Noah to build a boat. And in the same manner... That God called Noah to build the boat. God's calling each one of us to build something as well. Now, it may not be an ark. Hopefully it's not that he's calling you to build. But he's going to call you, something, call you to build something else. He's called you to be and do. And what God is calling you to build is going to look bigger to you than the ark did to Noah. Everything that God instructs Noah to do is new to him. Again, it had not rained. He didn't know what it was. He didn't know what, what rain even was. The earth needed no rain. Noah had never seen rain. When God is close enough to you to whisper, Psst, I'm about to do something. And it sounds really, really strange. It may even sound weird. And the weirder it sounds, the bigger it's going to be. 
You know, the stranger that it may sound to you, the bigger that God wants to do something. And the weirder that it is leading or that God's leading you, the bigger the thing that he's involved with. You see, we can't be afraid to do something for the first time. Maybe God's whispering something to you. And we cannot be afraid to do something for the very first time. It's kind of God's track record. He'll always ask you to do something you've never done before. And we have to be more concerned about obeying God than possibly looking foolish. God always requires a leap of faith. If the leap looks manageable, it's probably not a big enough leap. If it looks like, oh yeah, I can do that, then maybe we need to look a little bit further downrange. You see, because it requires that leap of faith. You see, if we're going to be someone who builds it, we're going to have to be crazy. And so what is it that Noah embodies that we can grab a hold of today to make application within our lives in order for us to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense? The first thing that we have to do, we have to get comfortable with crazy. Get comfortable with crazy. You see, crazy is the word that those who are scared, <coughs> excuse me, Crazy is the word that those who are scared use to describe people of faith. You ever been around somebody that's taking great steps of faith and they go, man, I don't, Pastor Brandon, you moving to Knoxville? That's crazy. You know what? That's the word that people who are scared use when they're describing people of faith. The other thing is this, is, is honestly, crazy is the word that the devil uses to describe you when you are full of faith. Crazy. You see, there's nothing wrong, though, with being called crazy when it's in the right context and when it's in the right framework. Jesus' own family thought he was crazy. Look at Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. One time, Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. Soon, he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to make him go away. He's out of his mind, they said. Have you ever, I mean, imagine that. Your own family just saying, hey, look, uh, what, what he's trying to do right now, he's off, okay? He's just a little crazy. He's, don't, don't pay attention to him. He is out of his mind. Look, his own family, Jesus' own family says that he's crazy. You are in great company if people call you crazy if you're walking by faith. Anyone who calls you crazy for walking in your calling fully doesn't understand the scope of your calling. And we cannot allow the opinion of the uninformed majority to become our focus. Because if we do that, then we focus on pleasing people and not being obedient to God. So we have to be comfortable or be starting to become comfortable with crazy the second thing that we need to take a look at and we need to embrace in our lives is we have to count on confirmation. Count on confirmation. Genesis chapter 6 verse 18 says, But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Confirmation is God's memorably creative way of repeating something that he has already told you. 
Confirmation is a gift that God gives us on the circumstances or, or, or on the days where circumstances might make us feel like we're crazy. You see, there, there are days that if we're walking out our calling and if we're walking in step with what we feel like God has created us to do and to be, there are days that, that our circumstances seemingly might point out that we've made a mistake by walking out our calling. God gives us confirmation to rescue us on those difficult days. I remember when I was between my freshman and sophomore years in high school, I had gone to summer youth camp and, and you know, was just expecting to have a great time and, and had a great time at camp and, and really wasn't looking you know, at, at, at any type of ministry focus, but just wanted to go to camp and have a great time with my friends. And one night at this particular youth camp, there was just a real anointing for that night for people being called into the ministry. And, and so during the worship experience, uh, the, the speaker said, hey, I feel like there are people being called into ministry that night. And so I just kind of sat back and looked around and saw, saw different teenagers and some of my friends go forward. And I thought, man, that's fantastic for them. They're being called into ministry. Isn't that good? And the longer that night progressed and the, 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 the further we got in the service, I just, I just started feeling this gnawing inside my heart and in my spirit. And it was like, God, what's going on? And, and so at the end, there's another altar call and I go forward and, and I'm up front praying and my youth pastor comes up to me and says, Todd, what are you feeling? And it was like, man, uh, my, Pastor Lee, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. I feel like I might be being called into ministry. And, and he pulls out his journal, he pulls out his notepad, and he shows me where he had written down earlier that day that while he was praying, that God showed him that I would be called into ministry that night. And I remember seeing that paper and just weeping, honestly, because, you know, it was, I didn't go to youth camp to be called into ministry. I didn't go there for, you know, some, some calling. It was great to see my friends go forward, but he wrote that down. And when he did, it marked my life. Because I knew that there wasn't any place else that I could go. I knew that there wasn't another avenue that I could take. You know, I had to go back to my public high school. Still had three years of high school to finish up. And at my public high school, they didn't offer ministry 101, 201, and 301. So I went back and I took my accounting classes and I took my mechanical engineering and did great in those. But there were still places to prove myself. And it wasn't until I went and started going to Bible college. But you see what I'm saying is this, is that there are moments that we have to have that we can draw back on to those moments of confirmation that we know we're doing the right thing. Amen. That we've got something that we can hang on to. And so along the way of this crazy journey that we're on, God's going to give us confirmation at the right time. You see, God never, God never gives us confirmation for the sake of confidence. He gives us confirmation for the sake of conviction. And what does conviction do? Conviction puts parameters around us. No, I'm not going to go any further than this. No, I'm not going to cross this line right here. But because of the conviction that I have, I'm going to stay in this avenue. So I'm not going to cross over. And so that confirmation drives us to that place of conviction. And he doesn't give us this confirmation so that we can be overconfident on our way to the palace. He gives us confirmation so that we'll never become unconvinced at the bottom of the pit. Amen. In those moments when we're at our lowest, in those times when we're down at the bottom, 
we can look back and we can remember the confirmation that God gives us. And then we can look for further confirmation along the way. Overconfidence reveals our shallowness. To be shallow is simply to be overconfident and underconvicted. You see, Joseph, if we look in, in, in Genesis as well, Joseph shed his shallowness in the bottom of a pit. It was there that God showed him that it was not about the platform, but it was about the people. Again, Genesis 6, 18, I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. You see, this was before Noah even started building the boat. God gives him the instruction and he gives him confirmation along the way. You see, the covenant's not confirmed until after the flood is completely over. But God confirms Noah's calling all along the way. The fact that it actually rained is confirmation of the calling that Noah had. Noah got confirmation along the way. Imagine this. God speaks to Noah and says, fill the boat with all the animals on the face of the earth. How many of you can do that? You know, we don't even know all the animals on the face of the earth. We might know a handful of them. Noah maybe knew a dozen, two dozen. But could you imagine Noah standing back and just watching these animals come and going, what in the world is that? I've never seen anything like that before, and I don't want that in my backyard. Put that one on the far end of the ship. You know, <coughs> excuse me. He doesn't have any idea what this is. And imagine, you've got the rhino walking down the street alongside of the rabbit, and they're getting along, and the rhino's not squishing the rabbit. I'll tell you what, that's confirmation that God's in control. You see, there's, there, there are different times that, that we're looking for the rainbow all the time. But God has different confirmations for us all along the way. Genesis 7, verses 15 and 16, two by two, they came into the boat, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of each kind entered, just as God had commanded Noah, then God closed the door behind it. He shouldn't have let the mosquitoes on. <laughs> he should have done something about that. It was the Lord that closed the door, and it was confirmation. How many times in our lives do we have doors closed in front of us and we get frustrated and aggravated and we're upset because the door doesn't open and there's a door closed? Let me remind you of how sweet our God is. Our God will close doors on our behalf because he loves us. Our God will close doors so that we don't walk through them. Because he sees what's going on. You see, when was the last time that we rejoiced and celebrated the fact that God closed the door? You see, God never closes the door to keep you from enjoying paradise. God closes doors to keep you from drowning in the rain on the other side. There's a good chance had we walked through that door, we could have drowned in the rain on the other side. Further confirmation is that it starts to rain the same day that God closes the door. Noah obeys God. Noah obeys God and he builds this ark. It takes him 120 years 
to build this ark. He's not seeing any rain. You would think somewhere along the way, uh, away that, that at least he would get a sprinkle. At least he would get an idea of what was to come. But there was no rain 120 years without seeing any rain or flood. But Noah sees God's confirmation all along the way. He had to get tired of doing it, friends. He had to get tired of getting out there and cutting wood and putting things together and having people ridicule him for putting this together, saying that he was crazy, but he stayed constant at it. If we are constantly waiting on rainbows, we might be missing out on all the small confirmations along the way. And we might be missing out on the rhinos and the rabbits walking peacefully up the plank at the same time together. How do we get confirmation? Maybe we, haven't, maybe we feel like, well, Todd, I've not had confirmation in a long time. How do we get confirmation? Well, here's what not to do. Never look at coincidence as confirmation. Coincidence is something that man can manipulate. Confirmation is only something that God can reveal. And here's what we do. We start reaching out for coincidences to call them confirmation when we keep wishing God would give us what our flesh keeps wanting to receive. When we don't get confirmation, we start reaching out for coincidence. <clears throat> so how do I ensure that I live a life that gets open to the gift of confirmation consistently? It's very simple. Obedience. Obedience. Don't settle for sort of. Don't settle for kind of. Don't settle for almost. Be obedient. You see, confirmation is a gift that is most open or most often open by the obedient. Genesis 6 verses 19 through 22. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will, will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did exactly as God commanded him. You see, in our crazy walk, in this crazy calling that we're trying to fulfill, God desires for our complete obedience. Not partial, not just a little bit, not just some of it, but complete obedience. If we just do some, well, God, I'm going to do 85% of what you've asked. The rest of the 15%, we'll, we'll figure that out. God desires for our complete obedience. He says, if you do it my way, I will bless you. If we're not walking with him and we're told to obey him, obedience becomes an irritation. But if we are walking with him, obedience becomes a natural outgrowth of that relationship with him. See, God gives Noah the blueprint for the boat, but there is something missing. There's, there's a critical element that's not mentioned that's installed upon this, this boat. There's no steering wheel. There's no rudder that's, that's built in this thing. There's no steering mechanism. You see, there's no rudder because God is to be the guide. There's no wheel because God is to be the pilot. There's, there's no energy or there's no engine 
Because God is the energy. God will drive this boat. The ark's not only a blueprint for Noah's boat, but it's a blueprint for our lives as well. That it's the, the, the God created our lives to be a sanctuary where hurting people can come and find salvation through Jesus Christ. To help people find a safe refuge. To help people make a safe journey or have a safe journey. And to help them in their transition in life. See, Noah doesn't know where he's going. Noah, do you, do you have any idea where you're going? No, I don't. Noah, how, how are you going to drive this thing? I, I really don't know. Noah, how are you going to get there? Well, I, I, I don't know that either. See, he does not know where he's going. He doesn't know how he's going to get there. But God intentionally leaves that steering wheel out of the boat. He leaves the rudder out. If God puts a steering wheel in the boat, if God puts the steering wheel in the ark for Noah, when the first sign of choppy seas that Noah observes he's going to turn and go the opposite direction. God may have instructed him to go this way. And if God's instructed him to go this way and there are choppy seas ahead, the tendency and our tendency is going to be, let me find some smooth sailing and turn the opposite direction. And so God says, hey, I'm not going to put a steering wheel in this boat. You're going to have to trust me on the direction that you're going. So, Let's leave the steering wheel out of the boat. Friends, if we're having trouble sleeping at night, if we're having trouble figuring out what in the world is going on in our lives, we need to rip the steering wheel out of our boat. Throw it out. There's nothing more stressful in life than, than trying to figure out on our own way or trying to figure out our own way through life, trying to know where the finish line is and we don't even know how to get there. God not only knows where the finish line is, he's the one that put it there for us to start with. We need to let him have control of the boat. Even though there might be a great storm on the outside, it will be peaceful on the inside because God will make sure that you get to the right place at exactly the right time. <coughs> Excuse me. At City Hills Church, we're to be a church that does not have a steering wheel on this boat on this vessel you see we are to be a church that is led and directed by god you see if, if, if we're ever pressed with ministry opportunity or opportunity it's like hey pastor brandon we've got to do this we've got to do it today we've got to do it we've got to have an answer now there's a good chance that we're going to back up we're going to say hey we're not the ones that are piloting this ship We've got to get direction on this from God. If this is a decision that you have to have today, then chances are you could probably go on without us. But what we are going to do, we're going to take a few days. We're going to pray about this. We're going to get the direction of the Lord. And as the Lord directs, then we're going to follow after His direction. We're not going to be moved by circumstance. We're not going to be moved by opportunity. We're going to be moved by the direction of God Almighty. He's the one that's in control of the ship. God wants to steer our boat in a way that we never thought possible as a church and individually in our lives as well. If he is responsible to steer your boat, he is responsible to fulfill his promise to you, whatever he tells you to do. 
John 15 verse 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Again, complete obedience. God may not give you all the information, but do the work of obedience he has called you to until he shows you how the plans to pull it off. Obedience is much easier than any tactic of navigation. Obedience is so much better than your best strategy to get you to where you think you are going. Obedience is the way not only to honor God, but to live the crazy faith-filled life that we deep down dream of living. The fourth thing that we want to embody from Noah, we've got to savor the sacrifice. Savor the sacrifice. I'm going to ask for the musicians to, to come up. Genesis 8, verses 18. So Noah, his wife, and his, his sons and their wives left the boat. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrifices burnt offerings to animals and birds that had been approved for the purpose. And the Lord was pleased with the aroma of the sacrifice and said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never again destroy all living things. Why is it? Why is it that Noah's sacrifice is so romantic to God? Why you sacrifice is far less important than when or why. The first thing that Noah does when he gets off the boat after the flood, rather than look around and see this new opportunity, rather than to see that mountain and go, I want to live over there, or to see this patch of land and say, my sons are going to live over there. The first thing that Noah does when he gets off the ark is that he looks up. And there he gives thanks to God for his faithfulness to he and his family in the storm. God saw them through and he gives thanks and sacrifices to God. What God gives us in return will far exceed what we sacrifice. Whatever you sacrifice will pale in comparison to what God does in response. You cannot calculate the response of our God to the value of your sacrifice. Because what God will do in response to your sacrifice is so much more. You can't put a price tag on it. And He responds in manner and fashion that you never would have imagined. Maybe you feel today that you're ready for sacrifice. You're ready for this crazy walk and this crazy step of faith. But God's not giving you a blueprint. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what. If God's not giving you the blueprint, find somebody who has a blueprint for their life and help them accomplish theirs. And in doing so, you will show to God that you're ready to receive yours. In the Greek, the word for crazy is existeme. And it has two different definitions. 
The first one is to lose one's mind. The second definition of crazy is to astonish greatly. All these years that God's been telling you to walk out this crazy calling, the enemy has been taunting you. The enemy's been telling you that you are absolutely crazy. That you are out of your mind. This calling is too big for someone you, that it's impossible for you to accomplish. But that same word that the enemy has used to taunt you and to ridicule you, God uses today to esteem you. God calls you crazy because you are about to astonish greatly. And friends, today, today is your day to get a little crazy. God did not create you. He did not create me to be normal. He created you to be crazy. And some of us need to turn our backs on what we would consider normal and begin to step into what we might be called crazy. It's time to take that step of boldness to start the new chapter. You see, friends, the ark wasn't built for luxury. It wasn't built for comfort. It was built for one purpose, and that was survival. And the ark is exactly how it's supposed to be. The ark accomplished exactly what God wanted it to do. And it was to carry people from death to life. And that's what God wants to do with each one of us. To carry us from death to life. If they were to survive, how would they survive? They simply had to trust God. No, ask, well, how, how are we going to steer it? God says, I'll take care of that. Uh, where are we going to land, God? I'll take care of that too. Noah's responsibility, and our responsibility is very simple, is to trust God. His responsibility is not to guide. His responsibility is not to paddle. His responsibility is to trust. God created this vehicle, and God who created it is the God that will move it. You might feel like you're in a storm right now. And all you're trying to do is survive. Jesus is with you in the storm. Jesus is your ark of safety. You are safe with Jesus. He's with you in your storm. Your rain will stop. And your storm will end. Psalm 18 verse 16 and 17 says this. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. Today, as, as, as we close, know this. God will reach down and remember you and pull you from those stormy waters. I want everybody to stand to your feet. As we do, know this. Today, God reaches down from heaven and extends His hand to rescue you. Today might be your day that you need to invite Jesus into the middle of your storm. It may be the first time. You might say, Todd, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. But, I, but, but how's Jesus going to help me out in this? Jesus so longs to help you. It doesn't matter. Whether, whether you've seen it in the past or whether you haven't, Jesus is here to rescue you today. Friends, know this. Your flood will subside. Your boat will come to rest. 
you will see the tops of the mountains and you will be able to open the hatch once again and see that the storm is over you will see dry land again let's go to the lord in prayer father thank you for this moment that we have right now we thank you that, that, that you are here for us you are here to rescue us you're here to save us you're here to minister unto us and and we're asking that right now in this moment that we would yield our hearts to you maybe you're here today and you've never asked jesus to steer your ship maybe you've never asked him to pilot your vessel to be your guide today is your day to do so so if this is your day to ask jesus to take control of your life i want you to pray this simple prayer with me and i'm going to ask that everyone pray this for the benefit of those who might be praying it for the first time say dear jesus i ask that you come in my life i pray that you would forgive me of my sin and set me on course to follow after you i pray and i declare that you are lord of my life today and every day in jesus name amen and amen let's give him praise this morning